Expect to see even in the news broadcast and that of new inventions, some of the most amazing things are going to come out in this time. You're going to hear about inventions that's going to revolutionize and have an impact in the nations. And I see things that have been hidden. And I see the righteous are going to be dealing and working with these things. It's not going to be stuff being put in the wicked hand or the wicked having access to it. I see righteous men and women working with things. New discoveries, new inventions that are busy taking place right now. And just be prepared for that right now. You're going to see it. It's going to be come out in the news right now. Put into the right hands the right people. So Lord, we just agree with heaven. We just decree this and we thank you for what you're busy doing now. For what you're busy doing on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just believe as well. That's just a word, prophetic word just for everyone. But I just feel... The Holy Spirit is doing stuff. There's, there's lies that people have believed. And you believe the lie more than you believe the redemptive work of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has paid the price. He's washed us. He's washed us. Not partially. We're entering a time where right now we're going into Yom Kippur. It is a new year. For the, even the physical Jew, and I don't go much into that because Jesus is perfect theology. He fulfilled all these things. But what is interesting now, we're stepping into, even in the Jews, celebrate once a year. You'll see suddenly they go and they go to pray to the Western Wall and things, and they celebrate the Jewish New Year. And they also celebrate, you know, what, what the high priest would do, take away sin. And remember the Old Testament, it was just removed. It was covered. It, sorry, it was just covered. It wasn't removed. Jesus removed our sin. And some people live in the Old Testament without realizing that Jesus did a complete work. And I want to tell you today that you might feel the enemy has hold on you and this and this and this. I want to tell you something. Is that the blood of Jesus is sufficient. The word of God says, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. You can't have something extra than Jesus. I don't know if you hear that. The devil will get it right for you to me to believe this. But there's nothing more. Jesus plus something. It is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He made the full sacrifice. There isn't another Jesus. He's the last Adam. He restored things that the first Adam lost. And this morning, 
stand up in boldness and belief of what Jesus has done for you. You've made mistakes, you missed the mark, things like this. Stand up. Because Jesus already paid. He already paid for you. Do you know that he was slain before the foundation of the earth? God had it in mind already what, when, what you and I were walking. And I want to say, it's not, it's, it's, grace empowers, it doesn't empower sin, it empowers righteous living. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes the enemy keeps a person hidden or hiding, keeping you back because of past, our past. The past has been dealt with. Step out and step up in what God has for you. Don't believe the lies. Amen. You receive that. You receive that. Amen. You guys encouraged. <clears throat> I want to say this again. The spirit di- dimensions of how God works is, it's not first what you first understand. It's what you first believe. I want to say again, even this morning what the Holy Spirit was doing amongst us, it is not what you understand, it's what you believe he did. Now faith, now, now, faith is. Faith is working now. Now faith is the substance of things. It's not what you understand first, it's what you believe first. Many Christians, we still work, walk from the old way of being as, as an unbeliever. Remember, Adam was a living being. Jesus, the last Adam, is a life-giving spirit. So we were restored in Jesus Christ. Adam knew no sin until he sinned. The last Adam, Jesus, came and restored us. We, we have received the spirit of Christ. It is now a soul that is being renewed. So what you and I understand is not first to be grasped. It is by faith what God has done. Because understanding comes later. It's the same as a seed. You do not see a seed when it's planted under the ground. It's the same as faith. But when it grows up and it becomes a tree bearing fruit, you understand things. All right, that's just something extra. But I really just want to say to you is that when the Holy Spirit is moving, like even this morning, it's not always what I understand. It's like, Lord, I've received seed. If you tell me any woman who's, who's had a child before, you know what conception is. You don't know what conception is. You only understand conception when you see a bump in your stomach. Or when you have a test that says you're pregnant. Hello? It's the same as faith. It's the same as when God comes and impregnates you and does a work in you. There's, some, there's this deposit in your spirit, man. There's conception in you, but you don't see you're pregnant, and you don't know you're pregnant. And this is the thing, is when the Holy Spirit touches, moves people in, in the mornings like this, because you see, sometimes, this is where the enemy comes, you know the parable of the seed? 
seedlands and hard ground, soft ground, whatever. The enemy, when you would leave here, you would start thinking about this and this. The enemy steals the seed actually deposited in, in a spiritual environment with what's happened this morning. That's spirit dynamics. That's how God works. Because the word is what? Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is working, he comes and he works in our heart. Open heart surgery. That's why it's so important to learn to know the Holy Spirit. There's times I have no cooking clue. This is me, the pastor. Uh, of what God, what are you doing now? Like, And even, you know, just my time with God or whenever it is. And my head doesn't understand it. But Lord, you're doing something in my heart. Later understanding comes. Why? Because suddenly I see a bump on my stomach. Okay, I know it's from the food, but no. Um, but you understand? And that's what I want to say. Be careful as a Christian not to judge something because you haven't seen it. Hello? Well, there's no harvest. I don't see fruit. Well, I was fortunate enough, thank you, Budgie brought me some, uh, and these are some bananas from up north, from KZN. And, um, and they listen, that's it, taste here. And they're so sweet. They're, they're not like the bananas we buy in the shops. They're beautiful, going yellow, and then it, it tastes like mush. It doesn't have taste. And then these bananas, we actually, I thought, wow, these are sweet bananas. But a banana isn't, doesn't come out yellow, by the way. Sometimes you have to wait. Anyway, so that's for free this morning. I, I want to just try jump into something this morning and try to finish this. But I, I want to touch on this thing and, and I, I trust that other people will listen even further with this message. Is I want to speak about reigning in life. To reign in life. To reign in life. Now, um, I'm going to really jump ahead in that with something. So listen quickly. As I speak normally. Um, the thing about reigning in life, I, I want to first say that, do you know that Israel always wanted a king? Right? We know this. The Word of God speaks about this, how they insisted they wanted a king wanted a king because the other nations had a king. And then they got a king. And his name was Saul. And do you know that Saul was, he was anointed, God anointed him. It was the people's choice that God said yes to, by the way. But he was a good king. And if he was a good king, the Spirit of God was upon him. And later on in years, basically, basically sin, which, which was started in his life and that, and, and, and what happened was, he actually abandoned the role that God had for him to be as king. He wasn't walking as a king. And we know the story about how God then starts to raise up David. And we see in David's life that David became king. And um, the, the thing is what we saw that, um, you know, for it was about between 10 to 13 years that, that, that uh, King Saul was pursuing David to try to kill him. 10 to 13 years. He had sent, I mean, the whole time he had this like onslaught, you know, 10 to 13 years. And we see how Saul, um, in his own life, he was never groomed to be king, by the way, Saul. But David was groomed to become king. Okay? And we see this life, you know the stories of, of Saul and King David. 
And um, and we see how God then raises up also uh, David in that to be a king. And um, he was a, they had the heart after the heart of God, the way he, he lived himself out in that. That was King David. Now, this is giving you a bit of background. I'm speaking about reigning in life this morning. Reigning in life and the picture that God initially had for you and me. And he has for you and me. So, um, God spoke to Abram. And we can read in the word of God in that where the Bible says is that God says to Abram, he says, From your descendants, I will raise up kings. Alright? God says to Abram, the father of our faith, Galatians 3. He's the father of our faith. God says, listen, from your seed, I'm going to raise up kings. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit works because what I started sharing right now in the beginning was about this, about the seed. Abram is the father of our faith because he saw something which his mind couldn't even believe. By faith he inherited the promises. By faith we inherit things. There's a lot of facts in South Africa and the world that will tell you and me the opposite. But by faith we inherit the promises of God. Okay, So we see here, What God promises Abram, he says, in your seed, who's the father of our faith? I'm going to say this again if you got what I said. Who's the father of our faith? Galatians 3 says, Abram. Whose seed are we? Abram's seed. What did God say to Abram? Through and in your seed, I will raise up kings. Alright, now, for a lot of people in that, as there was this, and years ago I remember teaching went out as well, which wasn't really just that accurate when it came to kings, because it said if you're a businessman, then you're a king. But my Bible says, New Testament says, that all of us are kings, priests, and prophets. Okay, you with me? You see, the type of king for many people the type of king and the kings we've seen, even in the past, even in the Bible times, were basically self-serving and self-promoting. Right? He has Old Testament things, pr- promises. God promised to Abram. We see in the Old Testament, and it comes through into the New Testament, through the cross, and we see what happens where even in Christ and that, who we are, kings, priests, prophets, Okay, so we see this, that, that there's this kingship, this rulership, this authority that God has given to us as believers. You see, the intention for God, for you and me, is that we are royalty. Alright, if you want to have a cup of tea... Sit down with Nigel and uh, Cheryl, and they'll tell you about the royal family. I want to tell you something. There's royal families even on this earth as a type of who we are supposed to be. Have you ever thought about this? Why is the royal families, there's different all over the world. Why are they not being removed? Remember, these are shadows of actually what the real is. But you telling me some of these guys of the royal family behave themselves like royalty. Yeah, there's a laugh, you know, because you understand, you hear these things, what are happening, whatever. So, does that change who they are? No. 
So, the thing is this, is that God is wanting to raise up people. He's wanting to raise up generations who can rule and reign. We are royalty. We are kings. Alright? So his intention is for all believers to be, to be royalty. So Jesus, we know in the Bible, was the perfect example of, of being a, a, a king. And, um, you know, why was he the perfect example? Well, you know what? He goes as the king of kings and he washes the feet of his disciples. And he serves them. Alright? So we are to rule. This is a statement that was made. We are to rule with the heart. Of a servant, okay, we are to rule with the heart of a servant and we are to serve with the heart of a king. We are to rule with the heart of a servant and we are to serve with the heart of a king. But how many times has it been misrepresented? So, God's intention is this, is that we have lives of royalty. And do you know that, um, have you thought about this, that uh, uh, when, when a problem comes to a king, think about this, just refer to the Bible, it's a good reference. But when, actually, when, when a, a problem comes to the king, it's not like the king, ah, ah, what must I do? I say again, a king it's not about, ah, here's a problem, uh, what am I going to do with this problem? Um, what do kings do? Kings sort out problems. If there's a kingdom, alright, just a sec. There's a kingdom, and on this earth there's this kingdom, and there's a king that rules in that. And there's a problem in the kingdom. Who do the people go to? They go to the king to sort out the problem. Who's going to sort the problem out otherwise? Well, guess what? It works the same for you and me. In the kingdom of God. Whatever problems there are on this earth, we're supposed to have the solutions. Alright, so... You know, if, if, if someone injures themselves in the kingdom, it's not like, okay, we'll, we'll pass you on to the next kingdom. We looked, we want to help you. The king will go and you'll see that, that you're healed, you're restored, that type of thing. So, um, Jesus, he goes and what he does is he illustrates what it means to be a king. And why? How does he do this? He, he, he shows how it is to be a king by addressing every problem and issue. Every problem that was brought to Jesus, he addresses and he solves it. Jesus is the pattern son. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We are royalty. So when there's things that come, God wants to give us actually the wisdom to resolve things. Now I can understand a word that came out earlier this morning in that prophetic word about these things been hidden, these treasures been hidden. Why? Because God has an assignment. He resources what he plans us to do. He's going to finance it. Okay, it doesn't tell you go take over the world. He doesn't resource you for it. You, you do realize that. What father is that? That's just what we believe is sometimes not the right thing. So, 
What we see is Jesus, when he addresses things, the situation, he comes with answers, okay? Um, and I think, I think sometimes we don't realize this, that we are drawn on unlimited resources from heaven. Do you know, there's no limitation. There's, no, there's not like in heaven, oh, uh, the finance room is a bit, you know, you've taken too much now. Uh, uh, you know, no, there, there, there's too much healing's taken place. Yeah, you know, there's sickness. Yeah, there's must. No, no, there's abundance there. So there's a resource in heaven, guys. I want us to start picking this up on earth as it is in heaven. What is the God's will on earth as it is in heaven? So there's resources. There's things available that God wants us to rule with as kings, priests, and prophets. But we many times rule according to what we have and not what according to he has. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Do you understand how even Peter was living from another world into this world? He picked up something like this. All right. So kings don't think with the same limitation as every other person in the kingdom. A king doesn't worry, ah, uh, what am I going to eat today? I'm a bit concerned. I'm just challenging you guys. I'm challenging I'm challenged. Because something has to change in the way we think. Okay? So, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's he, basically what he's, he's given an emphasis. He's adding special emphasis when he says, first seek. There's, a, there's an emphasis. You see, the measure, listen to this, the measure of righteousness of God that is seen in our behavior is to that measure that we reign in life. You didn't get that. I'll repeat it again. The measure of righteousness of God that is seen in our behavior is to that measure that we reign in life. You and I only reign in the measure to what we've seen and believed. If I don't believe that God's will is to heal all people, then I'll only reign to the measure that I have belief in. That's why Jesus says nothing is impossible. <laughs> All things are now possible. All things are now possible. For those who believe. Okay? Are you guys still here? Alright, so what does ruling mean? Ruling means to equip and, and, and to serve people well. That's what it is. To rule is to serve and to equip people and to serve people well. So reigning in life causes kings to come to your rising light. Isaiah. Reigning in life causes kings to come to your rising light. You've got the solutions. You speak into situations. That's why we've seen, we've seen business people come to us. 
You know, we've seen people in government positions. We've seen in the, 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 the different fields in that there's influence. Why? Because there's a rising of the light of who Christ is in us. There's suddenly things that start opening up. Okay, we start to reign with Him. We start to rule with Him. Romans five seventeen to eighteen. You can have a look at that. But basically, that it goes about sin. Sin came through Adam, and um, Jesus came as the last Adam, and He makes this payment for sin. And basically what he does is he releases new life. He releases new blessing uh, for all those who uh, have received Christ. And um, this is God's desire from the beginning is that, that people identify. Um, people identify who they are in Christ, not through their function or not through their gifting. Because there's some brilliant people, brilliant, that are not saved in their gifting. Brilliant. But God's called us to identify in Christ first before our gifting and our, that, that what goes with it. Okay? Um, because He's our identity. It's not what we do. So, reigning in life starts with how we rule over our own internal world. Alright? It's not my gifting. I know people brilliant in business. I know different gifts in sport. But it's not the gifting in this that gives us internal world identity. It is Christ that gives us identity in this internal world. You see, for a lot of people, don't know how to rule the internal world in their lives. If you don't have this internal transformation, you don't have an external transformation where you're at. So this most, the most important world to ruling is the internal world in our lives. That's where we have to rule first. Alright? It's how we think about ourselves. What we believe. How do we think about ourselves? There's a brilliant statement Bill Johnson makes. He says, I can't afford to have a thought about me that God does not have about me. So if you make a mistake, are you a failure? No, but we believe it though. Because the devil reinforces our mistakes and he emphasizes it. Okay? So it's important what God thinks about us. Um, it's basically taken on the mind of Christ and how he views things. It's how, how it's taken on the mind of Christ. This internal world inside, how we rule it is important. It's how we think about ourselves, how we think about a people, how we think about family, how we think about doing business, how we think about doing working with money. This internal world we've got to work with. Alright? How we think about it, what influences that. So ruling this internal world, there's like basically four just four points that can cripple this internal world. Four points that can cripple the internal world of what we believe, okay? To rule this internal world. The first one is guilt. If I sit with guilt, it is the thing that will paralyze me. The second one is shame. You sit with shame in this internal world, it also paralyzes you. The third one that cripples you as well is regret. Regret. 
Aragreta did this. It paralyzes people. The fourth one is bitterness. Bitterness, bitterness also cripples this internal world in our lives. The first one is guilt. The second one is shame. The third one, regret. The fourth one, bitterness. So, do you know that our own bodies respond to our internal world? Do you know that? Our bodies respond to the internal world. I said 87% of all sicknesses are psychosomatic. All sickness is not from God. But it's because of many times the internal world and what's going on, on the inside. All right? So the internal world influences our physical health. Very, for example, forgive so that you can be healed. People sit with a lot of issues internally, whatever, physically, and, and many times like, oh, forgive, just, you know, unforgiveness. This is an example, okay? So, um, another one is resentment and bitterness. Do you, do you know that resentment and bitterness are both tied to your past? Resentment and bitterness is always tied to your past. So where do you live, is my question. You see, our identity, our identity needs to be built out of how God sees reality and not how we perceive reality. The way God sees is the right way. It's not always the way I see it. Okay, so um, here is this responsibility to view who we are through his eyes. Now, um, Romans 8 speaks about that all things work to the good. Okay, all things work to the good of those who love God. All things work to the good. So, nothing, the Bible says, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And it says this, things present... And things to come. You see, God has already been to the future. He's been to the past and he's in the present. All things work to the good. Those who love God, okay? No, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That thing hasn't sunk in for many of us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Okay? So, things present, things to come. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, you can have a look as well. Basically, it's almost like a lawyer's letter concerning an estate. So, basically, it speaks about, the, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, it speaks about that you and I inherit the world. Do you know that? We inherit the world. You inherit the world. It says, it speaks about things present and things to come. This is what you inherited in Christ Jesus, okay? So, how can you own things not yet? Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 3. You own things present and things to come. So, you don't have legal access to the past. Why? Because it has already been purchased. You see, some of us live in the past and Jesus already paid for the past. And he paid for the future. But yesterday is the past. But Jesus purchased it already. He paid for it. 
So 1 Corinthians 3, and it speaks about this. There's this, like this lawyer's letter. It says, listen, I've dealt with things in the past. I've dealt with things in the present. I've dealt with things in the future. This is what belongs to you. But a lot of us live in the past which Jesus already dealt with. We don't have legal access to the things of the past. We don't have legal access. It's been bought. Okay, so the beginning place of the shift of identity begins here. Jesus has paid for it. Okay? You have the present and you have the future, but the past has been bought. Okay? It's been purchased. So your past is not yours. Tell your neighbor, your past is not yours. Okay? The identity in Christ begins at that place. I say again, your identity in Christ begins at that Jesus has dealt with your past. Didn't get it. The third time I'll say this. Your identity starts with Jesus has purchased your past. If you're living with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with all these things, guilt, shame, guess what? You're trying to grab something that was paid for. It's been purchased. So what we believe has a lot to do with identity of what Jesus has already done. Do you know that Jesus taught us forgive? <coughs> the, the Lord's Prayer speaks about, He says, forgive us our debts as our trespasses. Uh, sorry, for, um, He taught us forgive us our debtors. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. You understand? Forgive, forgive those who sinned against us. Forgive our debtors. Right? He speaks about this. Why? You see, what, what, what he does here is he links our need, he links our need of ongoing forgiveness with our responsibility to be an ongoing forgiver. Jesus links. When he says, forgive our debts, forgive our trespasses, as we forgive those who sin against us. What he's doing, he links our need of ongoing forgiveness With our responsibility to be ongoing forgiving. We're going to always have to forgive people. I don't know if you realize that. So we're ongoing forgivers. Because every day someone might want to offend you. Something happens at work. Something happens in the car, at the school, at the varsity. So we need to be these ongoing forgivers. Why? Because you can't separate the two. You see, my sin against a perfect God is much greater than anybody's sin against another imperfect person. He forgave me and created the standard that must be maintained. So Jesus sets the standard. He says, this is the way you live. 
And that's how I start to reign in life. The king has a solution. The king has an answer. You are a king. You're a priest. You're a prophet. You're a king. You and I are there to reign and to rule. Can I continue still? Can I continue? I know we're going over time a bit here, but I, I want to try to finish this. So, yeah, in Scripture, as an example, yes, conflicts that arise over offerings. As an example, thank you for the rains that are coming, Lord. So, yes, um, yeah, so yeah, in Scripture, there's conflict over offerings. And um, it was not how much they gave. Alright, this is now, remember Ananias and Sapphira. It, it, was, not, it was not about uh, the, the, the thing when it came to the offerings. It was not how much they gave. But it was how much they deceived the people in their giving. What do you mean? Well, you see, the emphasis in that with Ananias and Sapphira was... Um, the emphasis in what they did is, while it is in your control, you had the privilege to do with it as you pleased. While it was in your control, you had the privilege to do with what you pleased, with that resources God gave you. But what happened here is that they used it to obtain favor from people for giving something they never gave. So they sold this land, they got this, this, so they were, what they did, it wasn't about not giving, it's what they, they, it was brought over that they had given. What they, they tried to get favor from people from something they never gave. Okay? You see, if I reign over finances, then my soul is not going to be reigned over in this area. i say again, I reign over finances. If I reign over finances, I cannot have my soul reigned by that thing. We're kings, we reign. So the quickest way to poverty is to serve money. Money must serve you. You don't serve money. Finances. Kingdom finances. We're speaking about reigning in life. Speaking that God's called us to be kings. Kingdom finances. One of the points is being generous. If you want to be a king, be generous. Generosity. The second one is contentment. I'm content with what God's put in my hands. The third one, that's why you see a lot of this thing of, of entitlement all over. That's the spirit of poverty. If ever you feel you're entitled because you never had it. So in South Africa we have it. Listen, you think just in South Africa, you know, because of the, the political issues and then it's race issues and this and that. Entitlement is a spirit. And I can justify, well, everything was taken, therefore I, that's entitlement, it's the spirit of hell. The same thing is happening in America now. It's the same spirit that's working there. 
The same thing. So that's the thing of entitlement. That's why God says be content with what you have. The third one is excellence in purchase. I'm speaking about kingdom finances. Speaking about being a king. Excellence in purchase. You want to demonstrate who you serve by what you buy. There's Afrikaans saying for all our foreigners that might be listening, good koop is dear koop. What's it in English? <laughs> I'll, I'll get you this point, but basically the thing is, you see, don't buy cheap because if you buy cheap, you're going to have to buy it again. If you heard what I just said. And I'm telling you this, some, some of these values, even as unsaved parents, my parents were unsaved, and they said to me, they said, Charles, don't, don't buy something that is cheap. Because you're going to have to buy it again. Listen to me. There's certain things you're not going to put your money into because you're going to have to waste your money in it. I, I always tell you know, my, my wife, my daughter, this thing of, rather save up until you can afford that thing. Don't just get something else in its place because you're going to have to spend money again to replace that thing. I'm telling you, some of us don't like waiting. Wait for the right car. <laughs> Wait for the right car. Buy the right one. The right house. The right, I'm, I'm telling you, there's really truth in these things. I'm speaking about kingdom finances. Don't be careless. Be wise. <clears throat> Another point under kingdom finances is wise investments. I've seen how many times this thing, the enemy would want to trap Christians, especially with this, because Christians are many times gullible or naive. And then the enemy knows it, you know, in sincerity of heart, then people come along with this scheme or that thing. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. So, wise investments. Let your money make money. Let your money make money. Contentment, listen to this. Contentment in the kingdom is not the absence of desire for more. It is the unwillingness for lack to define your joy or your identity. Did you get that? Was it repeated? Contentment in the kingdom is not the absence of desire for more. It is the unwillingness for lack to define your joy or your identity. Another area of reigning in life as a king is relationships. How's your relationships look? You see, the thing is, make sure that you're not ruled and manipulated by the latest opinion of that family member. We all have them. 
Or is it just... We all have them, eh? The opinion of that family. No, 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 that family member. Where there's this manipulation and this opinion. So the thing of reigning in life and relationships. You're not governed by the opinions of people because you're reigning in life. Well, you know, but they said this about me and, you know, I'm not... So what? You see, arising and shining, as I speaks about this, that arising and shining is coming into places where there is a success. Sorry, arising and shining is coming into places where there is success. But success for the benefit of other people. This is the thing. God says to Abraham, he says, I will bless you to be a blessing. Your arise and shining, your favor that you have in your life is not for you. It's for those around you. You need to speak to this side. The favor on your life, the blessing in your life is not for you. It's for those around you. That's why you have favor. Why do kings come to your bright rising? Why do kings come to your shining? Why? Because of the favor in your life. Why? For you. No. For them. Jesus set the example as a king. He washed the feet. He served. I'm telling you, that's why we, we have this corporate theology thinking in the church of the world instead of the, the world of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth as what it is in heaven. All right? So, um, you know what? Every one of us are to reign in life. Why? We created with this. God created us for this. Um, and um, do you know that God wants to make us lenders, not borrowers? He wants to make us. He wants to make us that we can lend. It's not that we are borrowing. That's what His will is for our lives. Okay? So we need to readjust what? Our thinking. Because we made to reign. I want to end off with the following statement. Is the king... That's Jesus Christ. Became a man. So that mankind can become kings. The king of kings, Jesus Christ. Became a man. So that mankind can become kings. His destiny for you is beyond your imagination, even of your greatest day. So whenever you hear people speak about, I'm a king, make sure it's an example of Jesus Christ. And that is not a perspective of a king that ruled in the Old Testament with all the gold, the glory, the focus on him instead of the king of kings. Have a look at David. How he always would exalt God in his kingdom. Have a look what the other kings did. We the seed of Abram. And in your seed, God said, you raise up kings. We are those kings. And what we think and what we believe will determine how we live and rule and reign in different areas of our life. If we rule this internal world well, 
by what we think, not what we've had a bad experience in. Our past has been dealt to us. That is not identity. We have a future in Christ, and it's hopeful. If you've lost hope in areas of your life, you've believed a lie somewhere. If you've lost hope in the future, you've believed in a lie. Change this internal world of yours and start believing what God says, because he always gives hope to every challenge you might have. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you that we can just be here today and that we can just learn and grow and that just to be kings, to be sons and daughters of the Most High, but that we'll rule and reign like you've called us to rule and reign on this earth as it is in heaven, in all areas, in relationships, in family, finances, in, in whatever, Lord. Give us the grace just to walk in a fullness of what you purposed us to walk in, Lord. And that on this journey, as, as, as even as kings, that we'll do it well. That we'll do it well because you became and you set the example of what a king is. To rule and reign in life. And give us that grace, even those who are listening as well, Lord. Thank you for impartation and breakthrough for people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.